with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 163rd program of Think Again. Uh, Think Again. We are live from the 3CR studios today and I'm on my own. Think Again is offered by Borderlands Cooperative, an organization that has been dedicated to social change for more than a quarter century. I am Jacques Boulet and as I said before, I am on my own. Jennifer, my usual conversation partner, is having a day off. So today I'm talking with Sandy Bayer. National Director of the Australian Republic Movement. So welcome, Sandy. Yes, good morning. Several of our regularly recurring conversations in our Think Again programme have been about the Australian political system and its associated processes and institutions, especially about how that system is really complicit in maintaining existing and often quite defective social structures and relationships. For example, we have been talking about the various areas in which inequality becomes frighteningly real for many people and for way too long. Think about housing, health, work and income. And also think about the way our political system and its actors deal with Aboriginal peoples, with refugees and asylum seekers. Also think about our programs about peace and the slippery war-like commitments and coalitions our government has involved us in and the ways politicians have dealt with, and particularly not dealt with, our neighbours, the Asian and Pacific nations and peoples. And in terms of politics itself, we recently talked about the brazen corruption destroying our democracy, especially the rorting and pork-barrelling. We talked about how our politicians commit the country to military alliances for purposes we have not been informed about. And we talked about our constitution, And on the 24th of June, finally, we openly wondered what we were waiting for before deciding to become a republic. So now, with the present government having a real minister to prepare the road to becoming a republic, and with all the explosive revelations about how the remnants of the monarchic monarchic system we still live under, how they have conspired to allow our immediate past PM to assume five additional ministries without telling anyone, and abusing so many conventions and assumptions of our democratic system. So it seemed about time to have a conversation with someone who knows their way in Republican matters. And that is where Sandy Bayar, National Director of the Australian Republic Movement, comes in. So welcome again, Sandy. Thank you. Listeners will know that the ARM, the Australian Republic Movement, has been around for a while as a potent voice arguing for us to shed our links with and our dependence on the British Crown. But to start us off, could you tell us a bit about the history, the present shape and the programme of the Australian Republic Movement, or ARM, as I will henceforth call you? (laughs) Yeah, thank you. And thanks very much for having me on the show 
morning. So the Australian Republic movement was founded in the early 1990s and began campaigning for Australia to have an Australian head of state instead of the British monarchy. This was around the time that Paul Keating, as Prime Minister, began to advocate for an Australian Republic. Uh, and it gradually gained prominence to the point in the 1990s where a constitutional convention was held under the then Howard government and a referendum was held in, in 1999. And, and look, there was a lot of debate through the 1990s about the particular changes that had been needed for Australia to become a republic and, and the approach that achieved a larger share of support at the constitutional convention, though not a majority, uh, was one where a, a nomination for Australia's head of state would be recommended by the Prime Minister to the Parliament. Mm -hmm. And then a two-thirds majority of Parliament would be needed for the nomination to be approved and, and the person to be appointed as, as Australia's head of state. But, look, unfortunately, there was a lot of division in the lead-up to the 99 referendum vote with some ostensibly pro-Republic groups joining the official no campaign campaign against that proposal. And the, the referendum failed by a pretty small margin, just 5%. And then for the next 16 years, the Australian Republic movement kept the flame alive, but it didn't really begin to come back onto the agenda until the last few years. And that's when the, the movement started fundraising and signing up supporters. We invested heavily in on, online engagement using new platforms like social media. And the number of Australians that signed up to the campaign grew, grew from a, a couple of thousand um, to the tens of thousands that we've currently got involved uh, in the campaign today. And but we don't receive any government funding. We're entirely funded by donations and membership contributions. And we've been able to build a, a national campaign with a, a passionate network of volunteers right across the country. And over the last couple of years, a um, few years as we got out and about talking to Australians from, from all walks of life, one of the things that we recognised that it, was, it wasn't good enough for us just to be able to say we should have an Australian as our as our head of state for the British monarchy and that all the details would be worked out later. When we spoke to people out on the street, they wanted to know exactly what would change. And even members of parliament that we were speaking to wanted to know what reforms, um, uh, what the reforms were that the Australian Republic movement was proposing. So to be able to clearly outline... Um, what you want to see changed is, is critically important, it, especially given the low level of awareness that's in the broader community about Australia's constitution. And over the last couple of years, we did a lot of consultation, and what we found is that while Australians do overall believe our system of government generally works OK, although the events of the last couple of weeks might um, you know, be causing some doubts, um, <laughs> the more people hear about the role and the powers of the Queen and her representative to Australia, the Governor-General, the less they like about it. Mm -hmm. Almost two-thirds of Australians aren't even aware that Queen Elizabeth is even our head of state. Mm. And so when they find out more, when they hear that you know, the British Queen and her representative still have the power to veto laws made by the Australian Parliament, mm -hmm. that it's up to them whether or not we have elections and um, up to them to determine who the Prime Minister is, they're pretty mm -hmm. concerned about that. Mm -hmm. that low level of awareness also leaves us pretty susceptible to misinformation and deliberate disinformation from opponents of a republic about what becoming a republic would mean. Yeah, so yeah. Um, we recognise that it's really important that we start working mm -hmm. hard now in advance of any future referendum to raise awareness about what those reforms would mean. Yeah, and we will certainly will come back a bit later in the programme. But now I just would like to investigate a little bit what you really are proposing. In April this year, ARM released a draft of the constitutional reforms you are proposing to transition Australia from its present state into a republic. I know this would require four of our thinking 
think again programs <laughs> and then we still have questions left. But could you just have a go at summarising the main transitional elements in ARMs in the Australian Republic Movement's proposal, which you released in April? Yeah, thank you. And uh, look, I, I will try and succinctly summarise it, but to give you a bit of background as well, you know, as I just mentioned, for years there have been debate about how an Australian head of state should be mm-hmm. chosen. And, and in some, including those that campaigned against the Republic in 99, wanted an Australian head of state to be directly elected by Australians. Others supported the pro- proposal that was put to the referendum in 1999 that would see the Prime Minister and Parliament choosing a head of state. And there are other options too, such as leaving it entirely to the Prime Minister to choose who our head of state mm-hmm. uh, was, and similar to the way that the Governor-General is appointed now. So we spent the last couple of years consulting with more than 10,000 Australians to understand what they'd be prepared to support, speaking to those that had already been involved in the campaign about what position they would like us to take, speaking to members of Parliament, and speaking to the broader community uh, about what they would be prepared to support. And each of these groups is, is really important um, and we, we listened really carefully um, to them because without our most committed supporters, we just simply wouldn't be here today. And they're the ones that will keep this campaign going. But speaking to members of parliament is also important because the way our constitution can be changed, or the only way our constitution can be changed, mm. is to have a referendum. Yeah. And a referendum can't be held unless it's approved by both houses of the Australian parliament. That's so we right. need a proposal that they're prepared to support. And finally, of course, a referendum can't, can't pass unless a majority of Australians vote in favour of it. And uh, there needs to be a majority in at least four out of six Australian states. And that's a yeah. huge threshold yeah. mm-hmm. to, to get over. Mm-hmm. And so we needed to develop a proposal, proposal that would have a strong chance of securing the support of all three groups. And through those conversations and, and the nationally representative polling that we understood, it became clear that there were some proposals such as where the Prime Minister would appoint the head of state that were never going to get the support that they needed at a referendum. Australians wanted to have the final say mm-hmm. about who our head of state was. And so like, likewise, an approach that was put forward in 99 where the parliament would would choose um, still didn't have the kind of support that it would need in the community to succeed at a referendum. And we, again, we saw that in 99 and that hasn't uh, support for that hasn't increased since. Um, and so we, as the Australian Republic movement, were we wanted to develop a proposal that had a uh, strong chance of success. We didn't want to get out there and start arguing for something that was never going to succeed. We're not mm-hmm. interested in being martyrs. We want to see Australia having an Australian as our head of state who can stand up for us. Um, and so while Australians didn't... Um, there wasn't um, majority support for a system where we have a ballot paper of thousands of names on it um, and then you know they all go to a vote um, straight out of that... Um, Australians did say that they wanted um, a manageable shortlist of suitable candidates to choose from and that they wanted the final say so that the person who gets the job is mm. someone chosen on merit and their ability to do the job. So more specifically, sorry, that was a, a bit of a, long, uh, a long-winded answer to get to the, to the point of your question, but mm. the model we developed, um, which we call the Australian Choice Model, um, proposes that each of these state and territory parliaments each nominate a candidate and that the federal parliament nominates up to three candidates. So that ensures there's a diversity of candidates from across the country, a short list of our best and brightest. Um, you know, our most trusted citizens get put to a vote. Then these nominees, um, uh, yeah, so they're put to a national vote so that Australians have the final say about who our head of state is. Um, and just as important um, as determining um, how the head of state is chosen is, is what powers they will have. And so the role as we've um, proposed 
um, is one where the head of state would no longer have a veto over the laws made by Parliament, have no role in day-to-day policy issues. Um, Their role is to safeguard and and uphold the Constitution. And our model really tightly defines the roles and responsibilities of that head of state, which would include appointing the Prime Minister, who has the majority support of the House of Representatives. That's uh, a term commonly referred to as Mm -hmm. the confidence of the House. Um, removing a Prime Minister when someone else has confidence of the House and bringing on an election when no-one can gain the confidence of the House after okay. a period of no less mm. than seven days. So that this gridlock comes back to the Australian people to decide. And so they'd serve for a five-year term, have a two-term limit, so they can serve no more than 10 years in the role. Um, and, um, and your listeners might be surprised to know that at the moment, the Constitution makes no mention of the office of Prime Minister. Mm, that's that's right. just something that's evolved mm. to be part of our Westminster traditions over time. Yeah, and so, that. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and so under our proposal, for the first time, a definition of the Prime Minister and their responsibilities would be added to the Constitution. And that would ensure that we have a stronger Constitution, where much of the ambiguity has been removed, and where responsibilities are more clearly defined and the head of state is an Australian, chosen by Australians mm. and accountable mm. to us. Mm. Whew. <laughs> Just a little question before we go to a little bit of music. Uh, now with a, uh, just in practical terms, with having a minister who is to be dedicated or who is dedicated to moving the process forward, is that helping? Yeah, it certainly is. We're seeing a lot of new momentum um, mm-hmm. and we're working closely now with the federal government to help raise awareness about mm-hmm. our, mm-hmm. our current system of government. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it really has breathed new life into the campaign this year. And with the release of those reforms um, that I was just talking through, um, it really has uh, put the, the issue um, squarely back on the agenda. Yeah. Um, and it's an important uh, discussion that we need to have at times like these when our constitution is being put to the test. Totally. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and that we start raising awareness to the point that when Australia is ready to go to a referendum on this, that Australians feel comfortable about the decision they're being asked to make. Mm-hmm. They feel informed about that decision, yeah. um, and uh, um, and they can see the worth uh, the worth in doing that. That yeah. it will be a worthwhile step forward. Mm, yeah. Before going on, let's just have a bit of music to let it all sink in a bit. Uh, we go and listen to Archie Roach again, "Color of Your Jumper," and after that, we will continue. Kicking a 40 around my backyard Me and the cousin Tried to kick a goal But what a time we had Oh, we played real hard Yeah, we played with our heart and soul Cause it's the best game in the world Young and old It's my Football team Yeah, my Football team Putting down a player Is trying to put him off his game For my Football team Yeah, my Football team Well, it's the color Of your jumper 
across the way Come over and play a game Kicking the ball off the house And off the car When we start to play You know I went insane Cause I thought I was a football star And everybody came to see me Ran far. Me and my football team. Yeah, my football team. I'm putting down a player is trying to put him off his game. For my football team. Yeah, my football team. Well, it's the color of your jumper, not the color of You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about the coming of the Australian Republic. Probably a bit audacious to say it in that way, but it does seem, as as we said before, that something quite important has shifted in the debate. So today I'm talking with Sandy Bayer. Sandy Of course, there will be still those who continue to say that, and I quote, the system needs no fixing because it isn't broken, as was heard from former Prime Minister Howard uh, 20 years ago now. But there are also many others who will wonder whether democratic processes would necessarily improve in an Australian republic. Will we be better able to address things like inequality, disadvantage and discrimination? And would the Republic enable more bottom-up rather than the usual top-down decision-making processes? Would it allow more decentralisation of political processes? What what would be your reply, but also the, the, the Australian Republic movement ideas about such questions? Yeah, well, look, it's a really question, uh, a really good question. And um, look, at the heart of the idea of a republic, the idea is that this is government by the people for the people. Um, and at the moment, we've got a situation where our head of state isn't chosen on their merits, not chosen because they deserve it or because they're the best person for the job. They're appointed because of who their parents were. We have a hereditary monarchy that is on the other side of the world, isn't accountable to us, doesn't represent us, represents another country and, in fact, 14 other countries um, and doesn't put Australia's interests first. So if we want to talk about creating a more democratic culture in Australia where everyone is equal, where everyone has an equal opportunity to get ahead, then surely we need to uh, you know, start at looking at the reform at the highest office um, in our land, our, our head of state. And, and one of the things that we've also proposed as part of the Australian choice model that I was talking about before is that our head of state and all parliamentarians should swear allegiance to serve Australians and pledge to uphold our constitution. One of the um, one of the strange things that we've got in the Australian constitution at the moment is under section 44 of the constitution, politicians are disqualified from serving in parliament if they have dual citizenship, mm-hmm. um, if there's mm-hmm. any question of dual allegiance. But the first thing that politicians have to do when they take up office in the federal parliament is to swear allegiance to a foreign queen and mm-hmm. her successes. Right. Um, so we've got this contradiction 
that sits in the Constitution um, at the moment. And we see from the events of the past couple of weeks the importance of ensuring that there's, there's democratic accountability um, in our constitutional system of government, that it doesn't just come down to gentlemen's agreements um, you know, between, between politicians, um, that it doesn't just rely on those conventions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we ended up in, with a situation where the Prime Minister's own cabinet didn't know about his secret ministries, where most of the ministers who held the same portfolio of, as him didn't know about the appointments, his party mm-hmm. room didn't know... Parliament didn't know and couldn't hold him accountable and the public didn't know and couldn't hold mm. him accountable for that either. And not even the department who was responsible for administering um, knew about um, those, those appointments. And, and while the check and balance in our system against this is meant to be the Governor-General, and the Governor-General has said, essentially has made statements along the lines of, well, this was the Prime Minister's responsibility mm. to communicate. Um, is I expected that it would be communicated uh, to to the public. But the Governor-General was given multiple opportunities um, to test that. So um, the first two appointments for ministries were made in March 2020, and a whole year passed before he was asked to make another three appointments Mm -hmm. um, in April and May of the following year. And so if the Governor-General had that view that um, that uh, the Prime Minister should be held accountable mm-hmm. um, in a public way and that these appointments should be made public. And he had the opportunity multiple times over a long period of time, over 18 months, mm-hmm. um, to make mm-hmm. those appointments um, public and didn't do so- anything about it. Um, and, you know, is it, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, there's a question there, why, why didn't he? And is mm-hmm. it just yeah. that he didn't want to take responsibility yeah. for yeah. upholding our democratic conventions? Because mm-hmm. you know, he, he's a smart guy, so it's not as if he didn't understand what was yeah. going on. Yeah. But perhaps he was afraid to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing is that we I probably wanted to go a little bit deeper in, into the question of democracy. You know, on yeah. one hand, uh, Republic is Respublica in Latin, and therefore it deals with public matters. But it was the Greek way of thinking about it was that it is rule, rule of and by the people. How would that improve uh, from the bottom up in terms yeah. of our democratic system? Well, well, firstly, we would see a greater diversity of candidates okay. put forward for head of state. Mm-hmm. So um, there are some states and territories in Australia that have never had even a governor-general. The Queen's representative That's never right. mm-hmm. even had a governor-general from um, from their state or territory. Mm-hmm. Um, but also under what we've proposed, every Australian would mm-hmm. get a say, would get a vote about mm-hmm. who represents them as head of state. Mm-hmm. And that would be a first for our country and a mm-hmm. big change from a situation where your family connections, um, you know, your aristocratic family connections um, determine your, your, you know, opportunities in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we've got at the moment in terms of our head of state, someone who's chosen simply because of their nobility, their noble birth. And um, so um, very much this is about equal opportunity as head of state and creating the kind of culture that we want in this mm-hmm. country um, where people are um, chosen to uh, by us um, mm-hmm. as Australians, where every Australian gets a say in those important decisions about who represents us, mm-hmm. um, where anyone who holds public office in mm-hmm. Australia is accountable to mm-hmm. us uh, as Australians and answerable mm-hmm. to us yeah. as Australians, and we don't have that at the moment. No, we don't. No, but and we will certainly be watching whatever happens very closely from the Borderlands Cooperative and from Think Again. Finally, because we seem to be running out of time fast. Would being a republic give us more freedom to steer a more independent course internationally than we do now? 
I'm particularly thinking about having a larger elbow space to negotiate alliances with the Western powers, for example, than we claim for ourselves at present, and of which we have been talking quite a bit. Yeah, well, look, I mean, one of the misconceptions um, about Australia becoming a republic is that we'd have to leave the Commonwealth. But Mm -hmm. only 15 of 56 Commonwealth nations have the Queen as head of state. The majority, the overwhelming majority of the Commonwealth um, of those Commonwealth nations are republics already. And we saw with Barbados uh, at the end of last year Mm -hmm. becoming a republic. They remained in in, in the Commonwealth and Mm -hmm. two Mm -hmm. additional republics were added to the Commonwealth um, this year, um, in, in June of this year. Um, and so we'd continue to be able to participate in those international forums. Um, mm-hmm. But when you have a head of state that is, is chosen by Australians, accountable to us, um, then um, I think it really sends that message to the world um, about the fact that we are an independent nation, that we don't see ourselves as an extension of, of the UK. Um, and at the moment, our constitution is still fundamentally a colonial constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it's one that uh, that um, when it was introduced, we were still like a colony um, of Britain. The British government, through the Queen, mm-hmm. um, could mm-hmm. veto Australian laws. Mm-hmm. And over time, it's evolved through a series of, of agreements um, mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, our constitution really hasn't kept pace with the fact that we are now largely... Um, an independent nation. And we need to take that that further next step to ensure that we're fully independent, that we do have a head of state who represents us and always stands up for Australians um, and our national interests um, and is accountable uh, to Australians. Um, And right now, our our head of state instead advocates for other countries' interests. Mm -hmm. And and we see, for instance, um, you know, members of the royal family like uh, Prince Andrew, for instance, um, Mm -hmm. being... Uh, or representing the UK in trade delegations to bid against Australian mm-hmm. interests. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and so it is time that we had an Australian head of state mm-hmm. um, who is unequivocally... Uh, uh, who unequivocally in a swore allegiance to serve Australians mm. and to serve our interests and uphold our constitution. Yeah, we have actually come to the end of our half hours, Andy. Thank, thank you so much. Unfortunately, that we, as I said before, we probably need about four programs to fully deal with this. But thanks, Andy, for helping me and listeners out as we try to better understand what the process of liberating ourselves belatedly from the English crown really entails and what the next steps may, may, might be maybe in this process. We will put a website of the ARM on the Think Again website space so that people have an easy access to all the kinds of things you are working on. Now to some community service announcements. There's just one really. Uh, the Borderlands book sale is on the 6th to the 8th of October and we will need lots of help to get all the books Eight to 9,000 of them, out of the container, out of the boxes, and to make sure that we sell lots of them. The three days will be a bit of a coming to know our new place in Footscray, so go to our website on www.borderlands.org.au and let us know whether you're able to help out and benefit from the cheaply priced but still very readable books. It's a fundraiser, so we'd love to see you there on, in whatever capacity. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio with today me, Jacques Boulet, and with Sandy Bayard from the ARM. 
the Australian Republic uh, movement. So remember, if you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email Borderlands at borders at borderlands.org.au. Just put Think Again in the subject line. Our programs are available by podcast in the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. Meanwhile, stay tuned for the following program, Jailbreak which gives a voice to prison inmates, their families and friends. And to bring us into this program, let's listen again to Archie Roach. Let love rule. Oh, when darkness overcomes us and we cannot find our way Although we keep on searching For the light of day And we hear the children crying And we don't know what to do Gotta hold on to each other And love will see us through let love Let it guide us through the night You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.